Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Arif Chandu, um, entrepreneur, Dakar of Imam Hussein alayhi salam, sportsman, father of three, alhamdulillah, and also recently you ran the marathon. Alaikum salam, brother Masood. Thank you for inviting me onto the Progeny podcast. Many viewers um, saw you last month on social media carrying the mm. flag of Imam Hussein and, and doing the marathon. Um, by the way, I can't, the, the, the furthest I've run, I think, is five kilometers. The marathon's 42 kilometers, yeah, correct? That's right. So, uh, what inspired you to do the marathon? Mm. And not only do the marathon, but have the flag of Imam Hussein with you. You know, since I was young, I always considered the marathon as one of the greatest physical challenges that are out there that together with climbing Mount Everest or some of the top peaks in the world, I've seen people cycle the whole of the United States. And I was a kid that loved challenges. Somebody would always, you know, challenge me and I would take up that challenge. And, um, you know, we've come out the pandemic, um, Islamically, I've turned 50 now. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, you know, in the English calendar, I'm, I'm very close to 50. And I thought, you know what? You know, I can't leave this any longer. You know, I've always wanted to do it. I've thought about it. Um, and, and I was thinking, you know what? Now I'm, I'm approaching what they call the sunset years, whereas people want to take it easy. My daughter's 18, going to start wow. uni. My son's finishing his GCSEs. And I thought, you know, many people will be thinking, you know what? You've done the hard work. Take it easy. And I was like, that's not you, Arif. You know, your best work is still ahead of you. You know, you still got so much to give. And so I needed something to, you know, to reverse that psychology, that, that psychology that was creeping into my mind that it's time to take it easy. My son was saying to me, dad, in five years time, you know, senior citizens at Stanmore, they accept <laughs> membership at 55. So I'm thinking, you know what, I'll be sitting at the back on one of those chairs in five years time. So I think, you know what, I, this can't happen to me. So I said, Arif, this is the time to go for that, you know, to, to sign up for that, this challenge and, 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 and basically do the toughest physical challenge that, I, um, that I've ever taken on. Um, and for me, you know, my life is about the Ahlul Bayt. You know what, if I'm going to train for six months, if I am going to dedicate so much hours, blood, sweat, tears, because running 42 kilometers is not a joke. Um, people think, you know, when, when they think about it, it scares them. You know, people have, um, have died running marathons. And this year when we ran it, somebody died in, in the marathon. Wow. Um, it's, you know, the, people have heart attacks, you know, all kinds of, you know, anxieties go through their mind. So for me, you know, it, it, that, that flag was about um, doing something for a cause that's greater than yourself. And I'm thinking, you know what? I remember yourself, you're a speaker, you recite Muharram Majalis and, you know, uh, and, and uh, as do I. And, and I always try and look back at the tragedy of Karbala and, you know, what, what the Ahlul Bayt went through. And there was this one incident, Sayyid bin Abdullah al-Hanafi, you might remember him, companion of Imam al-Hussein. Uh, he was one of them who stood uh, in front of Imam and took the arrows on his chest when what he was praying. Yeah, But the incident that struck me about him was, is that on the night of Ashura, when Imam switched off the tents and asked everybody to go and, you know, take the darkness of the night and escape. And then, you know, nobody left. He switched the tents back on. He saw that they were all there. And one of the guys who came forward to pledge the allegiance once again to Imam al-Hussein was Sayyid. And he said, oh, Imam, and I'm just paraphrasing, he said, if I was killed and I was cut into pieces and scattered across the desert, 
and this was repeated seven times, I would not stop, I would not stop sacrificing my life for you because how can I, how can I, and this is the very powerful, how can I, you don't get two chances at death. I only have one chance of dying in this world. How can I give up the best chance of sacrificing my life? You know, for him, you know, he knew he had only one way to leave this world. And I thought to myself, if I have a chance of dying in this marathon, if there is a risk to my health, you know, why not dedicated to a cause that's much bigger than myself. Dedicated for the love of Imam al-Hussein. These words of Sayyid kept going back in my mind. And I thought, you know what? If I do it, you know, I will give myself a pat on the back. Arif, you've done the marathon. Well done. My family for a couple of months will say, well done. But if I do it for Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam, now, you know, I've, it's for a cause that's much bigger. It's for something that will stay for me, uh, uh, will stay with me forever. Um, and of course, at the same time, by including the Ahlul Bayt, it gives you energy. It inspires you. How did how does it feel running with a flag? I mean, is it heavy? Do you need permission, by the way? Did you need permission? To, to... You know, I thought I might need permission, um, but uh, I didn't. I know I, I it, it was people, people, some people ran with costumes. I've seen people with costumes. costumes. No, you know, the only guys, nobody ran with the flag. And, and in fact, there's a good reason why. Because the wind resistance on the flag creates a drag. And when, you know, the bag, I, so I was, I, you know, I was running with this. I had a backpack. I stuck a flag on. It was extra. I had my phone for, 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 for recording with a power bank and drinks at the back. It was extra five kilos I was carrying. I weighed. But that wasn't the hard bit. The hard bit was the wind resistance, the drag on, on when when you're running is act, the flag actually pulls you backwards. So it, you know it, it was a lot harder, and it's probably a good it's reason. the London Marathon. The, the London Marathon. Where, where, where does the London Marathon take place? The London Marathon takes in it takes place in central London. So okay. basically, they they close the roads of central London um, for a day, uh, eight hours. Basically, if you don't finish in eight hours, basically there's a sweeper van that comes and picks up the last few people who can't finish it because they need to reopen the roads. Um, but you no. Know, so the you know the flag my wife said to you or did you run with the did you carry the flag she said to me or did the flag carry you and when i when she said that to me i said mm. subhanallah i said you know when you run with this flag at times the run breaks you you're exhausted your legs are aching you know you want to to give up and you know there's a whole backstory in chat we'll come to about you know the state physical state i was in because i ran the london marathon just 2 weeks after running from najaf to karbala um and that is 80 kilometers wow. so that was the equivalent of two marathons so I, I had an injury an ankle injury and at the point i wanted to give up my legs were hurting and then i thought to myself you are alamdar arif you are carrying the flag of imam al-hussein mm. you know and that thought immediately when i wanted to walk when i wanted to stop he said no it says you have to finish you know there there's there was maybe a few hundred thousand people on the day who had come to, to, to spectate, to watch their loved ones. There was 50,000 runners. This flag was blowing in the wind. Looked beautiful, tough. And, you know, if you're, if you're a serious runner, you want to hit a time, you don't run with this. If you want to do tablik and you want that message, you know, that flag in the wind was shining, was flying high. Everybody was looking at it. Runners would ask me, what are you running you have for? The flag as well. I have the flag here, you know, and uh, should I take it out now? Yeah, yeah, why not? So we see the This is the, the same flag that I ran with. I've kept it, you know, it's, it's, you know, when I, every time I remember the, what I did and what I achieved, 
I, I run, you know, it was an Arabic flight. It said, it, it, obviously it says, yeah, Hussein on it. But I thought to myself, you know, Arabic, obviously I'm in an English audience. So my daughter wrote in English with, on, with white marker, Hussein, Hussein is hope. hope at the bottom and a website, whoishussein.org. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that whoever saw it, you know, um, and, and on, and the run, I had the, uh, the you know, there the, were a lot of Shia out there. I was surprised how many came to expect it. People would cry out labaiki I was saying so the Arabic appeal today and pe when I was running people you know the English people thought I was Hussein some of them would call me <laughs> Hussein I had my name Arif printed on my t-shirt as well by the way I'm wearing my marathon finishers t-shirt I thought you know uh, just to inspire me it, it says you, you know finish the marathon finish the yeah finish the marathon but I wore a t-shirt with my name on it and people were you know asking me questions why are you running with the flag who is Hussein and you know it, it, the feeling just 40% of my motivation and my energy came from uh, from running with the flag so my wife said you know what I think the flag you know rather you. than you carried the flag That's the flag the flag carried you and I think you know there's something about a flag you know a flag is an identity you know countries have it people yeah. take it to football matches yeah. you know it, 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 it says something about who they are where they're from but you know when you're when you're a flag bearer you also want to you know it's it's more than you know when you think about Alamdar Abul Fadl Abbas or those who carried you know important flags you know they want to hold them themselves up to a certain standard you know they they want to say that the, you know I'm carrying somebody's I'm representing somebody with my flag, Imam Hussein, who was, you know, he, he re represented the pinnacle of mankind. You know, he was such a great personality. By holding this flag and associating myself with him, I want to try and hold myself to the same standards that that he held himself up to 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 fight for the same causes that he fought court for to take out the same message that you begin to associate yourself you know this this flag is like this magnet i was i was surprised you know what it does to a person when he carries the flag you might think you know i'm just running with a flag but psychologically you know it's it, there's there's something that's running in your mind that says you know now it's more than about you rf you're representing that person who you have on the flag you're telling the world about him so you carry yourself in a different way you talk in a different way you want to hold yourself up to a different standard subhanallah it's it's a great power you, you know you're you're preparing yourself this is all mental preparation yeah. for the run yeah and again i think i think that line your wife says about the flag carrying you is 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 really important maybe you didn't think of it at the time when you no. were running but i'm sure in the back of your mind like you said you know you're representing something so you gotta continue and, and not give up but how do you physically prepare you know how how many months of of of, of training oh, so, did you do you know like for example yeah during covid yeah uh, you couldn't go gym. No, if you remember, when during the lockdown, what I started doing, I started running. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> uh, around the area where I live, and I would do five kilometers. Yeah. That from from the, the after I finished three kilometers, I'm dead. So yeah. you know just that last two kilometers is a is the hardest part. And five kilometers, I used to come back like it's rained on me even though there was no rain i'm sweating i'm tired i'm like and that's only five yeah how do you prepare yourself for 42 kilometers of i mean physically there is a methodology and, and you you had the ankle injury yeah right? i had ankle injury so uh, you know during lockdown if you remember all over tv and and media there was, something, there was something about couch to 5k you know because people were on their couch all day yeah. they were working from home they were watching television on their computer and they were trying to get people to 
just, you know, get some physical exercise um, by running. And I also started my running journey, uh, literally. That's when you started. And I also started, you know, feeling what it feels like to um, to run um, because that was the only exercise we could get. We couldn't play football. We couldn't go into indoor gyms. We couldn't go into leisure centers. I love badminton. There was, you know, you couldn't play badminton for a long time. But, you know, there's a, there was a book I was reading by Napoleon Hill. You know, it's a motivational book. Um, and he has a quote in there which, you know, it resonates Islamically. And he says that if you can conceive it and you can believe it, uh, you can achieve it. Now, for me, my, my story is like out of this world because in Ramadan, about four months before, after I, I, want, I made the mind up, I wanted to, the year before, by the way, just the backstory to the marathon, um, I had completed the half marathon uh, for, for Who is Hussein as, as a charity one year. And then, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, mashallah, I've gone from zero to five to 21K. Should I stop running? You know, it's, it's a big achievement. I could either have stopped or I could go to 42, which is the full marathon. I was at that middle point. And I said, Arif, you've come a long way. Now, I died after 21K. It was so hard. And I, in my mind, I was like, you know, 42K, two of these. Can you do it, Arif? Or you go back to zero if you stop running. And in my mind, I said, no, I, I, I'm going to go the whole way. So a group of us who did that said, we're going to sign up for the, for the London Marathon next year. But come Ramadan, I was playing badminton and running. Now, both are heavy on the legs. I, 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 I fractured, no, I didn't fracture, but I twisted my knee really badly. The whole of Ramadan, I was praying on a chair. All my friends had signed up for the London Marathon. Five months to go. This is like peak training time because when you're training for the London Marathon, you're talking about 42 kilometers, right? So you've got to literally run 42 kilometers and more every single week. That means going out running, you know, 10 kilometers or more four times a week. Mm. I wasn't doing it. I was on a chair, you know, as, a, but as they say, when the tide is high, you know, sail your ship. And I, I tell you what I mean. I said, 12 guys had signed up and I'm like, it's never going to be easier to run the marathon because there's 12 other brothers who've signed up all out there to motivate each other. If you had to do it alone, running is a lonely sport. You don't have motivation. Now we had 12 guys. I said, you know what? They're all running. This year, the marathon is on October. In every year, it's been in April, but April is Ramadan. How can you run? I never get another chance. Because of COVID, they moved it to October. That was the last year, this, this October, mm -hmm. where it was going to be. So I said, I have to run. So then I read this book with this quote, if you can, con if you can conceive it uh, and believe it, you can achieve it. So I had a knee injury. Every day what I would do, I would meditate in the morning and evening. I would see myself running the London Marathon. I would see myself in my kit running. I would think about running the marathon. I would see myself getting the medal. Well, Allah, the, doc the, the, the doctors at the time told me, Arif, your, you know, this knee could take three months to heal. But because of this meditation practice, I believe that my knee healed within four weeks. So I'll tell you what happened. I, I started I started this practice of meditation means actually visualizing myself running the London Marathon as a healing then I started as a mantra you know in, in Islam you get all these duas to recite all the time mm. because it enhances faith why even what this guy was saying to, to inculcate this belief that you can run write the word I can run them I will run the marathon for a particular cause write it down and recite it to yourself morning and evening so I started you know visualizing and I started saying to myself, Arif, you can run this particular marathon. And then on Laylatul Qadr, just because I wanted to do it, you know, there, there's a hadith for Imam says, if you want 
to achieve something great in your life. Mm. On the night of Laylatul Qadr, make a powerful intention on that night with a pure niya and uh, start that work on the night of Laylatul Qadr. This, this, uh, our, our scholars say this as a hadith. So on that, we got to the 23rd night. I said, uh, my leg is still injured. I've started this meditation practice. I said to myself, I'm going to take out a video. We have a running WhatsApp group, 160 members, Stanmore Jaffrey's. I posted a video about the power of intention and how me, Arif, I'm going to make an intention on the Laylatul Qadr that I could run the London Marathon. Now I put it out there. I still couldn't run. 160 people got this video. Arif said he's going to run the London Marathon. Those who saw me praying on the chair were thinking, you know what? I've made a commitment. I've made a commitment and I'm going to be held accountable. People are now like, this guy's gone. He's talked about the power of commitment, little lecture. How is he going to do it? Wallah, I made that niya on uh, on Laylatul Qadr on the day of on Hajj day of Arafah I had a feeling in me a powerful feeling says Arif your knee is healed your knee is healed sign up for the London Marathon you're, you're ready to go on Arafah day on the on the on Eid uh, the Eid that followed I signed up with a charity because you can't run the London Marathon either you get lucky in a lottery you sign up for a lottery or you have to sign up for a charity and run for a charity I signed up for a charity and I announced to the other groups I'm joining you brothers I'm ready how long left to go? only 10 weeks they've been training for 6 months I had 10 weeks to prepare for the uh, the London Marathon what do I I haven't done any running now for like 2-3 months so I, there was a lot of videos about how to prepare, what to prepare. I said to myself, you know, I came up with my own psychology. I said, I've got 42 kilometers to do in a day, in a few hours. I said, I will start with doing it in 10 weeks, in a week. I'll do 42 kilometers in a week. Then I did it in six days. Then I did it in five days. So I would take that 42 kilometers, which I, okay, until yeah. I get to two days, and I would leave the one day for the day of the, you actually done two days 42 well, I did, and then, before the actual race but then I didn't think you know my my wish to run the London Marathon then there was one greater wish that I had uh, before that uh, that was to go for Arba'in and I hadn't factored in that Arba'in was two weeks before the London Marathon now the previous two years COVID nobody was going very few people were going finally Iraq was open I'm like to myself Arif you know what you know, you want to go for Arba'in, peak training. You know, it's like, this is the, you know, this is the time where you need to be, you know, finishing off your big, big runs. And then, you know, last week you're resting. You want to go for Arba'in. There are going to be millions of people there. How are you going to accomplish your, your runs? You know, and, and, and I had that desire, you know, I haven't been for two years. I used to go every year for Arba'in, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, we used to go, we used to be there together. And I'm like, now this is coming. I was like, I can't. I can't miss this Arba'in and at the same time I have this run. What am I going to do? Then I thought to myself, you know what? My, you know, your mind starts thinking. I said, there's the walk Najaf to Karbala. 80 kilometers. 80 kilometers. And I, was I started thinking, I said, what if I ran this? Now, I hadn't run 30 kilometers up to there in one go. And I'm like, I want to, I've been training to do 40 and Najaf to Karbala is 80. That is two weeks before the London Marathon. But I said to myself, you know what? How can I run a London marathon before running to my master, Imam Al-Hussein alayhi salam? In, in me, I started feeling that. I said, I have an opportunity. People walk to Karbala, but I have this opportunity to run to Imam Al-Hussein. I said, maybe, you know what? I can somehow accomplish both. Uh, I can run, I, I can go for Arba'in, um, 
I can I can run from Najaf to Karbala. It be it'll training for me. It will be a, you know something that I can dedicate to Imam. Which sincerely I wanted to do it, and it will help me for my. It it will tell me I've done eighty. I can do the forty. But people will say to me, Arif, twenty one million people. What if you get COVID? You you've practiced. You've you've you wanted to do this. You know this run yeah. in London. You get sick. It's out. What if you get blisters? You become you become ill. You're gonna lose it. Um, and then somebody because Arba'in is two. It was literally two, two weeks. weeks. Iraq and somebody tells me, you know, Arif, Iraq is forty five degrees at the moment. Yeah, it was really hot. It was really hot in September. We are training in eighteen degrees after about five kilometers because your body's heating up. It becomes hot. You know, how are you gonna run forty two kilometers? But in my mind, by then, I'd already made up my mind. I, I want to go for Arba'in. I want to do both. So, and then I said, you know what, but I don't want to just run. If I'm going to do 80 kilometers, I want, I'll run for Imam. So I want to also run for a great cause. So I said, you know what, what can I do? And I said to myself, I want to come up with a campaign and I, and, and I approach a charity and I said, I'll, I'll run from Najaf to Karbala for a charity, for a good cause. So I approached um, Hope Appeal and Ahlil Bayt TV and I said, look, you know, I, I want to do this thing and I want to raise money for orphans. I have this, this campaign running for hope. Imam Hussein being, you know, being hope, hope yeah. you know, and the hope for the orphans. He's, you know, it's a hope for mankind. Um, and, and, and if you know, orphans, they're looking for hope. And I said, you know, I, 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 it was a good play on words. And I came up with a campaign, 72 orphans in honor of the 72 uh, companions of Imam Hussein. And why? And I thought to myself, and I was thinking about it. These 72 companions, they gave up everything at a drop of a hat. When Imam called for help, they ran to Imam. They may have gone on horse. They may have gone whatever they did, but you know they went with haste. Mm. And I, and for me it was Arif. You know, walking is already hard. You've done it. Yeah, it's walking not, is difficult. Walking is yes or no. Walking mm. is very difficult. But I said to myself, you know what? Psychologically, now for me, I am also going to emulate that running towards them. Going, you know, running represents going in a hurry, answering the call of Imam yeah. Hussein. And then I, I launched this campaign uh, with the flag. I thought I would take a flag. flag I yeah. would, I would get people to sign the flag. I will get that flag blessed in all the shrines of Karbala, and then I would take uh, take that flag um, and put it on the shrine of Imam Hussein. Those who couldn't go for ziyara signed it, and you know, Subhanallah, you know. You know, this is how, you know, there was the build-up to 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 running the London. How long did the run take from Najaf to Karbala? Because so that, that's eighty kilometers. That's eighty. I'm guessing kilometers. you took a break as well. You know, we, we so so the so the backstory was I was trying desperately to um, to get. Um, I was trying desperately to get somebody to run with me. I thought, you know what, uh, you know, if I can find another run in my running group, you know, because I decided last minute, a lot of guys were working, they couldn't book time off, off, um, book, book time off work to do this. And some of them were like, you know, they were training for the marathon. They felt it might be a risk if we go to Iraq. So I happened to uh, bump into Haider al Assam. Uh, he's known as uh, Haider Simpson, who owns Simpson Bakery in Kingsbury. I just mentioned to him, you know, we had, I'd met him a year before, you know, as a great guy. We bumped into each other and I mentioned to him that, you know what, I want to do this run and I'm looking for company. Wallahualadhim, you know, in the back of my mind, I always wanted somebody to run. I just felt if I could do it with somebody, 
everybody kept saying, I can't do it, I can't do it. Haider immediately, within like literally less than 10 seconds, said, Arif, I'll do it with you. I said, subhanAllah. Obviously, Haider was Iraqi. Allah answered that, you know, he spoke Arabic. He was physically fit. Okay, he wasn't training for the marathon. He's nearly 50 as well. Yeah, he's nearly 50. We're both nearly, you know, he's, he's older. He's just over 50, very close ages. Um, he kept, he was physically fit. So he, Bismillah, we, you know, he agreed to do it. We planned to run it in two marathons. We'd, we'd run one marathon, take a break for a few hours, and then run the second second marathon. Now, you know, after I completed the London Marathon, I couldn't walk for three days. You know, my legs were aching. And, you know, some people say it takes seven days to recover. And then I reflected upon how we completed the, the run from Najaf to Karbala. We did one marathon. We rested five hours, four or five hours, and then we ran the second marathon. And I was thinking to myself, Arif, you nearly died running the London Marathon. You know, you took four, four days, five days to recover. How did you do it too, back to back in Iraq? And it was only, I can say it was only a miracle. You know, the, the, the power of Imam Hussein, that love, the, you know, the presence of being in Iraq. And I'll tell you that that trip, 45 degrees heat, you know, the crowd, the dust, you know, the atmosphere, no runner will run in the atmosphere. Yeah, people that like, have walked would know how yeah, difficult it is. Let you know, you fall ill, you can get, you know, all kinds of things can happen to you. We, and, 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 and I'm telling you, there was miracle after miracle. And I just mentioned a couple. I was like, after 20 kilometers, you know, we were, it, one of the miracles of running with the flag, by the way, was, I don't know if you've seen the movie Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like when, one you know, of my favorite movies. Yeah. So when he was, when he was running, you know, so many people would start, join, start running, running with him. Like, yeah. who's this random guy running? That Wallah, all the Iraqi Shabab, when we had the flag, we ran with the flag in, in uh, all of them would see us running. They had many, many people carry flags, right? They, they saw us running, they would start running. Wow. Some of them were barefoot. Some of them, you know, with big backpacks. Some of them with much bigger flags. Wallah, we saw huge flags. They saw us, they would join us running. And then some of them would tease us in Arabic. They'd be like, why are you old men? You know, you old men are running too slow. They would run way ahead of us. And then we're like, okay, fine. And then, you know, a kilometer or two, we see them sitting down on the side of the road out of breath. They're like, what's happened to you? Oh, you know what, we're tired. We're resting and we'd go past them and so a lot of Iraqi youth would see us on the way running but there was these two guys and this is where I say there was a miracle we were getting tired we were getting tired it was hot we were running at night by the way so the temperatures were not 45 in the daytime but still over around 31 to 35 yeah, they're, still, they're still very, hot. very hot we were running at night at about 21 kilometers first is a guy called Sajad young Shabab 18 year old he starts joining us Ask us why we're running, speaking Arabic, a bit of English. And then another guy, uh, another youth, a few kilometers away by the name of Zainal Abidin. They accompanied us, me and Haider, as we were running. Now, I wanted to get to 42 because that was a marathon. I know my Strava, which is what records your runs, mm. you know, would record, Arif, you've done your first marathon. Haider is telling me, Arif, I can't run, I'm exhausted. You know, at 40 kilometers, he was like, I want to stop here. So I said, fine, you know what? We've done 40, that's half of 80. So the Shabab, you know, these two Shabab that were with us says, look, come with us. We'll find you a mokib. We'll get you some food. The guys don't know us. They've just mm. been running with us. We get to the mokib. They find us a mokib. They get us a couple of mattresses. They bring us food. Wallahul Azim, these two boys started massaging. We've got this on video. Started massaging mine and Haider's legs. They're just random kids you know, walking themselves from Najaf to Karba. They must be exhausted. They've also done 40 and they've run part of the way with us. Haider gets one guy massaging, lying down. I am 
getting massaged. These kids massage us for maybe 14 minutes and then we sleep. When we wake up, you know, and these kids didn't know each other, uh, but they became best friends, by the way, in all yeah. of this. Bro. You know, they're like, you know, they just, we saw them Subha talking. Sajjad. Sajjad and Zainul Abidin. The names yeah. as well. Matching. They're matching. So, and then, so we wake up again, they bring us food, you know, because we wanted to continue our run. They start massaging us again. They massage us, they get us ready. It's just before Maghrib. So we get there just before Zohar. And then just before Maghrib, we want we get ready. We say, and now, hadn't we got, if, if it wasn't for those massages, Wallah, after running the London Marathon and knowing how my legs were aching, there was no way Haider and I would have woken up. We would have slept for 24 hours. But if it wasn't for two, these two brothers, they got us up, they massaged us again, they brought us food. They Then we were going out, we all got ready with our bags and everything. We started running, walking in initially because we were in the busy area. We wanted to go to the main road. It was getting Maghrib time. Everybody stops to pray. The guys are saying to us, look, guys, they were, you know, it was getting a bit dark. You know, Maghrib is just before it gets complete dark. And, the, and one of the brothers was saying, we have to pray before it gets dark. And we were like, you know, all the mokibs are full. You know, we, if we have to go and do wudu again, take everything off. Let us wait till it calms down. It gets dark. He goes, no, let us pray our salah before it gets dark. I said, subhanAllah, all right, we've had fine. We found a mokib that was had some space. We went, we did wudu, took everything off again. You know, because it's a process. Take off your shoes, your socks, your backpack, the flag, put it all away. We just put it back on. We prayed with these kids. We had... Um, one of the best prayers I've, you know, I've prayed anyway. We put our stuff back on. Me and Haider, we were ready to start running. The two guys have vanished. Wallahu Ladim, they're gone. It's like they did, they came for they what, did they did what they needed to do for us and they were gone. Haider and I like, what, hap what just happened? You know, who were these guys? Who sent them? You know, and we carried on running. And, uh, you know, there's just miracles like this, you know, when you think, because, you know, I know I've done the London Marathon. I know, for, for you know, the professionals, they run every day. They can do it. But, you know, when you're not a professional runner, when it's your first marathon and you've not even done it before, it's exhausting and tiring. And then on the way, we remember, I was hungry. Haider would eat a lot of the food. Ziraki, so I was, I, I, once we, I was running, it was getting nighttime and I was exhausted and I hadn't eaten. Haider said, Arif, you need to eat. With, you know, on the, when you're walking, it gets really busy. So you, yeah. the place where you're walking, there's too many people to run. We tried to run there, that's where all the food and the water is. You keep bumping into people. So we moved to the road where the cars are. There are much less people. But you know, there are no mokibs there. Very few people giving yeah, one food. food. We are, but we can run because we said we we're going to run. So we are running there. Hey, I'm exhausted. I want to, I'm finished. Haider said, you haven't eaten, Arif. Eat something. I said, where's the food? He goes, what do you want to eat, Arif? I said, I want to eat biryani. I don't know why biryani came in my mind because I didn't want all these falafels with salad. I was just feeling a little bit uneasy. All of a sudden, two, no, forget all of a sudden, two minutes later, wallahi, a kid from the Mokib comes running with a tray. I mean, there was a few people, you know, who walk on the road and us running. The guy's running with the tray, runs in front of us, you know, and he's, he's telling us, you know, you know, uh, you have some of this uh, tabaruk, tabaruk. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I said, okay, let me open it. I was hungry. Haider said, see what's inside. Allah, open it. Piping hot biryani. <laughs> Iraqi made, I've never tasted biryani that so good. good like I tasted. Now, obviously, if you're hungry, they say, <laughs> but Allah, I'm telling you, this Iraqi biryani. It was an Iraqi guy came running and I was like, just two minutes earlier, I was asking, I want biryani. I got biryani. That 
Viriani gave me the energy to get to 1086. We got to, you know, 1086 is where a lot, a lot of people gather. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Imran Mamdani and a few other guys uh, were there. When we got there, we were welcome. Everybody was asking us about Iran. I was posting videos. They all knew I was running. We took another three hour, two to three hour nap there. Um, and then we, you know, at, we finished to headed towards Karbala. Obviously, the last bit is very busy. So then you go, you come off the main, there's no more main road. Yeah, and then yeah, once you yeah, start yeah. going, the last 10, there's too many people. We had to brisk walk the, you know, we couldn't, but still that walk after doing all of that was, uh, was, was exhaust. But there's so many small little miracles. Haider met a cousin that he, from Iraq, that he had never met before, happened to be his his relative of, uh, uh, you know, some distant relative of his that started talking to me just because of the flag. We're asking who we're fine. And then find out he's from the same village as Haider in Iraq. And, you know, uh, it turns out to be a distant (laughs) Yeah, so many interesting incidents that we had on this on this trip it, it, uh, but so the, and I got but, but obviously we were exhausted we, I had blisters uh, uh, and when we came back from Iraq I was like you know, we were all like, tired and I knew I had like six blisters on my leg and you know the story only gets interesting because you know they, we didn't know how we were going to compete this is only through the miracles of Ahlul Bayt and Allah that we did it when I came back I had you know before the marathon I was like Arif how are you going to run the marathon everybody's expecting you to run you know you, you, made you, commitment. you made a commitment you have blisters you can barely walk so after about a week of resting I said you know what my blisters are semi-healed let me try and, run, and run I came out of my house I put my trainers after 200 meters, I twisted my ankle because my body was still tired. It was as my body was telling me, you can't run. And my feet were like aching. So I was like, okay, you know what? I've, I couldn't walk. Two days, I couldn't walk. I called my friends. I said, you know what? I've done I've done the Najaf to Karbala run. This is what happened to me. You know, now I may have to pull out. I can't even put weight on my leg. They're literally limping. Run. Let alone run. What happens? My wife is telling me, Arif, you know what? You've done enough. Nobody's going to blame you. You ran from Najaf to Karbala. You raised money for 72 orphans. You know, you've done so much. You know, be happy. You know, you you couldn't run. Take it easy. In the back of my mind, I was saying, you know what? There is no way that Imam would get me to run Najaf to Karbala. Yeah, raise money for orphans and then let me down. When I, when I pledged, by the way, I pledged, you know, I took the flag, we ran with it, we put it on the shrine of Imam Hussein. Then I took another flag from Karbala and I said, I'm going to run that flag. And I said, there's no way Imam is going to say, well, this guy's done all of this. Now he wanted to do, I'm going to let him down. But I couldn't walk. A friend of mine recommended to me this, this great physio. He said he fix up rugby players, you know, England rugby players, you know, they get battered in rugby. He goes, week on week, he makes them, you know, fit too. I went okay. to see him. He goes, look, Arif, you know what? You know, I'm good at my job. He goes, I fix rugby players up. But you're nearly 50 years old. The rugby players are in their 25s and their 30s and younger. I know their bodies. I've never dealt, I've never seen you. I don't know how your body responds. Because I am good. I can take your money. But I'm telling you, you've got 1% chance of running the London Marathon. Because I couldn't put any weight. But I'll do, I'll see what I can do. Went to see him every day for an hour. Two days before the London Marathon. I'm like, you know what? You know, it's very close now. I need to know, can I run? I haven't tried running. I can barely walk on my leg. So literally, you haven't run before the actual No, marathon. I haven't run before. The, I don't know if I can run even run. I told him, strap up my leg now. Like, you know, he goes, I can strap it up really tight. Go on a treadmill. See how you feel. Um, he says, although, you know, you know, you know, 42 kilometers. He told me run two kilometers. And two kilometers is a huge difference. But try. 
So he strapped on my rig, banished it really tight. I went on the treadmill that night at the gym. I ran on it. Wallah, it felt okay. No pain. It, in fact, if anything, the strapping was so tight, it, I felt restricted in my movement. I went to see him the next morning. I told him to cut off the strapping. Or oh, in fact, I took it off the night before because I felt uncomfortable. He, you know, he examined my ankle. He said, this is looking better, but, uh, you know, I, you know, there's a big difference. There's a sea, an ocean between 2 and 42. 42. So I said, look, I want to do it. He goes, how do you feel? I said, look, you know what? I believe in miracles because I've seen them happen. I've just done something I never believed I can do in Iraq. And I don't believe that my God and my Imam are going to let me down. So he said, okay, you know what? And let me work on your ankle this after, you know, after seeing me go and run three kilometers on the road because the, the treadmill and the road, the pavement yeah, is different. much harder. It's different. Treadmill, you feel, yeah. Yeah, treadmill is and it's softer because, you know, it's, whereas on the road, you feel the, the impact, the pounding of your, on your ankle. So I, I said, fine. I went, I, I, I came home and then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to just run on it because I made a commitment to run with the flag. So I'm going to put that five kilos with the, flag. Uh, with the flag and I'm going to try and see what it feels like running so I took the the beautiful flag out I put it I came out of my house soon as I came onto the Gordon Avenue in Stanmore I start running all these Shia driving by Allah they they like they seeing the flag of Imam Al-Hussein they're opening their, their windows they take out their phones and they start videoing me and crying brother what are you doing why are you running with the flag of Imam Hussein I'm like tomorrow is the London Marathon I didn't tell him about my ankle or anything but yeah. you know I, you know, I'm just practicing to see what it feels like I, I think at least 15 or 20 cars stopped and took video and that gave me a motivation I was meant to run 3 I ended up doing 5 kilometers and I went home and I, you know, I thought, you know what, let me see the ankle now. Yeah, you know, it, maybe it'll swell up after a few hours. I don't know. I waited three or four hours. Well, not, nothing. There was no swelling. In my mind, I was feeling, you know, I, you, when you have that feeling like, yeah, you're not sure. you know, midnight was the deadline. It was a cutoff. You know, the London Marathon allow you to defer. But so many people get injured in the training up to the marathon because they're training so hard. It's easy to twist your ankle yeah, or twist your knee. Just... And they have a chance to defer to next year. And I would have, because if I hadn't deferred it, I would have lost my place. And, you know, you had to raise money for charity. Mm. And so I had up to midnight, but 10 o'clock announced to the group, guys, I'm you're back okay? on, I'm running. You know, that day, and so many miracles happened then. When I, as soon as I announced, somebody told me, Arif, you know what? It was meant to be raining on the day of the marathon and cold. Now it's sunny. The weather's improved. You know, everybody's, you know, when, when somebody pulls out and then, you know, you, everybody else feels disheartened. Somebody's dropped out. The rest of them were feeling a little bit like, Arif's not running with us. He's come from Karbi. You know, no, not, not from that point of view, but you know, when you're a group, and then one guy can't come with the group. Everybody feels a little bit, you know, like um, a bit disheartened. And then he gave everybody motivation. And, you know, the rest is history. Boom. I, you know, I turned up on the London Marathon with the flag. Um, um, and and Ahlul Bay TV, you know, they were making a documentary of this as well. They, you know, they were filming the, the incident between Najaf and Karbala and also the run. And, you know all the way up to the marathon and people were asking about why you're running, what's the flag representing. And it was just a, a brilliant atmosphere. And I just felt uh, privileged and honored and humbled to be uh, a lamdar of Imam Hussein. We'll look out for that. Um, um, I've known you for a long yeah. time. Uh, I think since 2009, Yeah, we first met. And then uh, you were part of the Hilbay TV yeah. team. Uh, believe it or not, I think you are the first person hmm. to speak in front of the shrine of Imam Al Hussein yeah. live on TV in English. Yeah, 
which is a, a huge step. Yeah, so you know, I, I think before that there wasn't someone doing that, and then you've done that for a few years, where you were pre- represent, uh, representing Ahl Bayt TV, uh, going to Karbala during Ashura, yeah. the ten days. You, I think, Ali Fadil, Sister Rebecca. Yes, that's right. And that was amazing. And then obviously we moved from South London, yeah, and we came to your building. Yeah. We shared it for for yeah. a few months, well, until we literally told you to leave. Uh, so our home was 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 there. Uh, till now, I think the yeah, the, the, still there, the, yeah. the, the the channel are still are still um, in the office, so they've been there close to ten years. Ten not, over ten years. Over right? over ten years. Uh, you've got this passion, even though you know you, you're you're not on a wage from a yeah. TV. <laughs> so you're not you're not like on the board or on 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 any official paper. But you're you've got a passion for this uh, spread of uh, the message of the Ahlul Bayt. Well, you know, and promoting the message of Imam al-Hussein salam, and you know, the, the, the whole running is, is, is your way. But where, where do you think this passion comes from? Well, uh, you know, I think, I think for many people who are, who are lucky to be born Shia, I think the best gift that our mothers and our fathers gave us is, the, is, you know, is this love for the Ahl al-Bayt. I know my mother, uh, when, uh, when I was young, um, like you know, many boys sometimes or, or many babies, you know, they they get they they are you know they're taken to the mosque as a little Ali on Askar, and she said that you know once you know in in, in Muharram Majlis you are you're the little Ali Askar child, um, so you know th- those memories of Muharram the Azadari for many Shia, you know they are the earliest memories and the most powerful memories that we have in the mosque. But I also remember we grew up in West Africa. Now there are very few Khoja Shia families in 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 Zaire, as it was known today, is the Democratic Republic of Congo. My parents had gone there in in the late 1970s, and I, I if I think if I if I if I if my mom tell if I remember what my mom told me because when I was about eight or nine, um, we were the first family to go, uh, my mother took me and my, my siblings, three of us and her parents, the first family to go from Zaire um, for the ziyarah of Imam al-Hussein mm. from, from Congo at the time. Um, she had gone the year uh, alone from Zaire. Um, she had gone the, the, the year before alone, uh, my mom. And she's, when she came back, she loved it so much that she said, I want to take you kids. And we were young kids at the time. You know, we would attend Muharram Majalis, but we had never been for the ziyarah. And, you know, it, uh, in, in, this was during the Iran-Iraq war now. So you can imagine there's a conflict going on. Uh, we are in West Africa. Now, today, transport is easy. But when you're back in the 1980s, yeah, to get from Kinshasa, the capital city of Zaire, to... Uh, Najaf or Baghdad, man, it was it was there was not one or two flights. You're talking about five. We had to go fly to Nairobi, from Nairobi to Addis Ababa, from Addis Ababa, I think, to Rome, from Rome to um, Damascus, from Damascus to Baghdad, or some some long, you know, long in route long together. route. Like for us kids, it was an adventure. You know, we were in planes. You know, we were traveling. You know, something like you know something like that. 
Um, and then there's, you know, these days we go a week, Ziara, my mom had, I think it was like six weeks at the time. We were young kids. It was, we did Iraq, Iran, Sham, all included. It was four to six weeks. It was a long Ziara. And, 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 and I just remember, you know, that, that memory of going for Ziara as a kid, seeing the shrine, um, at, you know, seeing people crying for Imam Al-Hussein, you know, those moments that you listen to at the mosque, you know, just became real for me. And I, and you know, my, you know, my, what I was doing as a kid in the shrines, Allah, today I laugh about it, but you know, there, maybe there was something in that, you know, when, when, when the ladies, especially the, the women, when they would do their hajjad, their, when they finished their ziyara back in the day, I don't know if, I don't see because it's so busy now, the shrines, they don't do this, but that back in the day, they would buy a bag of sweets. Yeah. Mm. And they just throw the, the bag of sweets on the floor for the kids that were sitting with the mothers and all the kids yeah. would would run and so now you go you got my idea of how young I was run and wallah I used to compete with the Iraqi Iranian kids who can get most of their sweets I used to do all the shrines that, I, that was the thing I used to love the most you know I, to get that tabaruk my, when we were leaving um, Iraq um I had two sacks full of sweets. Well, that must have been 50 kilos of sweets. That, my, we used to sit in the shrine, 50 kilos. My mom was like, there is no way that uh, you're going to be able to take, you know, we don't have the weight allowance. How, you know, I was like, yeah, look at me. I've collected two. I'm the, you know, the best at collecting these sweets. I was looking forward to going back home. And all, so, she, you know, I mean, I, you know, she was going to break my heart now. So she said, I'm going to take a few handful tabaruk keep them in our bag but you have to go back to the shrine I remember I was like disappointed <laughs> give them back oh you know I've been working hard that was the you know I, you know whatever do I would do with it but the rest of the time I was occupied collecting these sweets in the shrine but I didn't realize that that memory that you know that you know obviously the the the, the the people who are giving it are giving it with their wishes and goodwill it's it's a gift from Imam in some ways and I didn't really appreciate it at that time and I and I'm thinking back now that all those little sweets that I was picking up, you know, it was depositing something inside, inside me. You know? Yeah. And even if it went away and it didn't stay with me, some love of of Imam is deposited. It was a deposit inside me. And you know, you talked about being the first one to go to Iraq. You know, it was two thousand and nine we're talking about. Yeah. Ahlul Bay TV was just launched. Iraq was still not 100% safe. You know, there were still bombs going off in Karbala. Yeah. But for me, when when uh, when Amir uh, Taki who was the channel, he said, Arif, look, you know, you're, you've started speaking, you know, come with us. And they had no plan, really. You know, it was like a wish. You know, let's start broadcasting for him. I didn't realize, when I said yes, I thought it had all been planned out. I didn't realize, you, have you know, we have to plan it and make it ourselves. And the guy, and you know, he said, we went there, we didn't have a hotel. It felt like there was no water on the plane. It felt like a whole modern yeah, trip. It, all kinds of things were happening. But I, and I remember the call when I came got there, you the call where I went, and then when we got there, everything started falling in place. We realized we didn't have any planning, but the the the, the people in charge of the shrine were like welcomed us with open arms. They said something new. Something new. They said, look, nobody has ever done English. He, they told me, they said, you are the first, I, I, I stood in front of the Katle Ga. Yeah. And the guy comes to say to me, he says, he says, brother, you are the first person to recite the Masiba of Imam Al-Hussein in front of the Katle Ga. And for me also, 
you know, it, it was a huge challenge. I'm not, I, I had never done camera work before. I, you know, I had no present, no training as a presenter. It was very much being a trailblazer. You know, Ahlul Bayt has called you, and it felt like an invitation. You know, step up and 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 do your best. You know, be humble. You've been given an opportunity. Allah, so many doors open. And I said to myself, you know, in, in my wife, in my life, and I said, you got to, Walk the talk, and and in this in this case, we're talking about running or run the talk. You know, as a speaker, that you know we can deliver the majlis on the member. You know, you have an audience; they've come to listen to you about Imam Al Hussein and the Ahlul Bayt. But once you step off the member, then you know the opportunities of delivering the message, of representing the message, of living the message a lot harder. Now you do this with the progeny podcast. You know, it's, it's your way of finding another avenue to bring, you know, the love of the Ahlul Bayt, you know, into people's lives. And for me, as a speaker, and you know, and having that love, I wanted to transcend that message. Look at the message of Karbala, the lives of the Ahlul Bayt, and say, how can I bring it into my work, in into as an entrepreneur? How can I bring it into what I enjoy? My running, my sports. You how know, can you? How can you? Sorry. How can you? bring your passion for promoting the message of Imam Hussein to an, because you know I know you also as an entrepreneur yeah. you've opened different businesses around the world yeah. different countries and you're quite a successful yeah. entrepreneur yeah. um inshallah inshallah um but how do you, you just said you know you bring them together how can you bring your you, your work with your you you know I, I I'll start with an example that will lead on to that you know I, when I was younger um, maybe around 17, I, I was head of football at Stanmore Joffreys. Mm. I was I was organizing the football practices for Amar Nakshwani. So many of these guys played in, in my team at that time. And I was their coach. And I remember, um, you know, at, at that time, Alhamdulillah, you know, there was, the Baywatch was something that was being shown on TV. That was a huge. I, I, I don't know if it's still there or people know about, but it was a a, a, a television series that was filmed on the beaches of um, uh, Los Angeles or somewhere in America, and obviously the what they were showing was un-Islamic, but appealing. They would show it at 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 times where it was appealing to older youth, and 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 in my back of my mind, I, you know, I. I, I knew obviously people wanted, you know, there was a temptation to watch it for a lot of the guys. And so I would start organizing football practice. That time. Exactly at the time of Baywatch. And in those, these days, obviously, everyone's smart. You can, you got Netflix, you record it, watch whatever. But at that time it was terrestrial TV. There was no way of recording any program. If you miss it, you, you miss, miss it. it. And in the back of my mind, I would say to myself, you know what? I'm going to, because people love football as well. And I was like, they, you know, in the back of the mind, they were thinking, they watch football. You know, they had to, they had to judge, what do I love more? And Alhamdulillah, at least they, they love for football. Yeah. And it pulled them about. And so, you know, it got me thinking about how you can organize things in life, your life, to try and make it more Islamic, to, 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 to you know, to live in the way of the Ahlul Bayt. And entrepreneurialism, I think, you know, you asked the question about, I, I feel is the closest um, lifestyle or job that you can do uh, to what Islam prescribes, and I, and why do I say this? Because number, I mean, if you're working for somebody or if you're in a job, you know, you you are a believer, you're practicing whatever. But somebody at the end of the day is paying your salary. You know, every month you know what you're getting. But when you're an entrepreneur, 
you have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you, you're taking a risk with your time. There's nobody guaranteeing your risk other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, at the end of the day, you have to pay bills, you have to pay salaries, you have commitments to meet, you have to, you know, provide an income for yourself. And as a believer, you know, you know, and you're always remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have tawakkul. So that's the first reason. But the second reason also is the best role models in, 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 in our faith. Uh, our beloved Prophet Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, before he was a, um, before he declared his prophethood, he was an entrepreneur. As mm, we all know, he was a trader. Yeah. You know, he would, uh, and he, and he, before he married uh, Bibi Khadija alayhi salam, she was, a trader. She was yeah, the richest, the best trader. The best trader. Mm. And so these two entrepreneurs, obviously he started working for her before they got married, but they were the most successful entrepreneurs and traders um, uh, in Arabia at that time. And so myself, I was thinking, you know what? Uh, we say the, the prophet is Uswatul Hasana, the, the best of role models. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, from a young age, I mean, I grew up in a in a in a community in West Africa where they were all business people and entrepreneurs. So I knew when I was thirteen years old, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Not at that time because it was the way of the Ahlul Bayt or the Prophet, but because I was in that community. Yeah. When I was older, and I and and you attend the Milad of the Prophet or the Wafat, and they give the history and they talk about how he was a trader. And I said, Subhanallah, you know, and they present him as a role model. I said, well, you know, you know, it fits in with the lifestyle, what I, I like doing. So, I, you know, I, I, very, I saw it very much as a, a, you know, as a way that is close to Islam, as a lifestyle that is close to Islam. But also, you know, today, you know, modern business people, you know, it's all, you know, with social media out there, people are trying to build their online right. brand on mm. Instagram and Facebook. And then I think about it, I said, subhanAllah, 1400 years ago and until today, the strongest brand is the brand of our beloved prophet. You know, okay. he, you know nobody's brand um, is as strong as it. Nobody has as many followers as our beloved prophet has. And, and to, I mean, over the years, it's billions. But if those who are alive today still in greater number than anybody else has. Um, and not only, you know, not just fake followers. I'm talking about the real followers okay. who would do anything out of the love of the prophet. And, you know, if people ask, you know, what were the qualities that made him the most successful trader at that time, that were the most useful in his religion and, and, and represent his brand today. You ask any Muslim, even the Shia, Sunni, they'll say, because he was al-Sadiq and al-Amin, the truthful and the trustworthy. trustworthy. And if you think about it in business, That's you know, the two main you, things you look for. When, when you want to do business with somebody, what are the qualities you look for? You is he truthful? truthful? Is, is, is he trustworthy? You know, if you have a, you know, is he selling what he, what he's, what he's describing, what he's selling you as, as truthful? Or, you know, is there some, you know, sometimes you go and buy a you car, them, yeah. you tell the guy, you know, buy a secondhand car, he'll tell you, ah, there's nothing wrong with the car. You know, the mileage is, 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 you know, it's only 2000 miles when well, it's done 50,000 miles. He's clocked it. He's got so many, uh, but you know, those, and, and in today's world, when everything is so competitive online, Everybody's selling the same product, right? So now when I want to decide when I'm going to buy from you, Brother Mustafa, or four other people, how do I judge who am I going to buy for? You all have the same price. Mm. What what did, what did it come down? Then you think about who is the most truthful and trustworthy 
and if you talk about companies obviously they have review systems online reviews where you mm. establish people's authenticity and 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 customer service so it was very entrepreneurialism is very close to you know the lifestyle uh, in islamic last time i believe the way the holy prophet um, lived their, lived his life and so it's always been an an an, an inspiration for me alhamdulillah i'm sure a lot of people will be inspired inshallah, uh, with inshallah. with your work inshallah and i thank you for making time um, to share this story with us. Jazakallah.